You're listening to Dear God, What the Hell. We're your hosts, Amanda and Christina. The purpose of this podcast is to recognize where the white American evangelical Christian church has fallen short and to recommend ways the church can improve. This is a safe learning and sharing space where we are unpacking our own personal experiences with the church and its sometimes toxic theologies and teachings. We recognize that not all evangelical churches are the same. What we share is an expression of our own personal experiences and is not intended to paint a picture of the evangelical church as a whole. We hope that by joining us, you are able to reflect on and unpack your own experiences growing up in the church as well. Thanks for listening. Hi, listeners. This is a content warning. Today, we're talking about homophobia, heteronormativity, and coming out. If you find these topics triggering, please find and talk to a licensed therapist in your area or online. This might not be the episode for you. As a child, I received homophobic messages before I was even aware of sex and sexuality. When I was really little, like three, four or five years old, I was leaving a friend's house and I kissed her on the lips as a friendly way of saying goodbye. Both of our mothers totally freaked out And on the drive home, I got the girls don't kiss girls talk. At that point in my life, I wasn't even aware of sexuality, much less homosexuality. And yet my mom's first move was to condemn it. So fast forward from there to third grade. I had a crush on a girl in my class and I was talking on the phone about her. My mom walks into my room and hears what I'm saying and tells me to hang up and that we're going to go and have a talk. This is my first memory of a trip to Starbucks, and it was at this Starbucks that my mom told me once again that it's not okay to like girls, that girls have to like boys, and that boys have to like girls, and that any other behaviors outside of that binary were wrong. I locked a part of myself away that day. I compensated by crushing extra hard on the cute boys in my third grade class, and fourth grade class, and fifth grade class, and on and on through high school. And I avoided thinking about that conversation for a very long time afterwards. It really wasn't until 2016 or 2017 when I started letting the bi part of myself come out. First to me in hushed moments and hidden journal entries. Then later, I felt ready. I wrote about it about a year ago on like a confessional card at an interactive art exhibit. I first admitted in writing in a public forum at that moment that I was happily married to a man and bisexual at the same time. Slowly and surely, I became more comfortable with myself while still being terrified of the implications of coming out. When I felt safe enough to talk to someone verbally, I came out to Christina, my wonderful cousin and co-host, two other friends, and my therapist. From there, I gained the vulnerability to come out to my loving and wonderful husband, Brandon, a couple months ago. And now I'm slowly working on coming out to, through other venues and to other people with whom I feel safe. Part of the time, I feel like I'm towing a line between coming out to honor myself, particularly this part of myself that's been locked away to stay safe, and making the actual choice to not come out to everyone because I don't feel it's safe to and because I don't feel like I owe them a coming out. I'm still afraid a lot of the time because I know a lot of my acquaintances and some family members and family in law are super conservative Christians, and I'm really not ready to have their criticism or assholery dampen my light. But 
Even as I continue coming out to my friends who I am close to and who I do know trust me, I am affirmed and I am seen and I am loved and I am heard. And it has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Hey everyone, it's Christina and this is my coming out story. It was this year, 2020, might as well have been because what else hasn't happened this year? I can't tell you the exact date. I know that the Black Lives Matter movement was on its rise. Queer Eye season five had just come out. Up until this point, I had joked with my family about finding women attractive, but that's all it was, jokes. I had come out as bisexual to my brother and anyone else I knew would love and accept that part of me. I distinctly remember being at Amanda's bachelorette weekend before she got married, sitting on the beach with a couple of the girls, with all of us talking about liking girls. Did we have a certain type? What do we like about them? It was super reaffirming, and I only told people like that about my sexuality. One night, probably in May, I was chilling and watching who knows what on the TV with my very conservative parents. I can't even remember what we were watching. All of a sudden, we got on the subject of the Black Lives Matter movement. I remember my dad being the one who brought it up, throwing out words like thugs, socialists, idiots. I got fired up and I shot back at him. While neither of us were yelling at the other, the argument was definitely getting heated. He said something that pushed me to a breaking point and I thought to myself, well, if he can't stand what I think about the Black Lives Matter movement, he's going to hate what I have to say now. And I flung that closet door open with every bit of energy I could muster. I am bisexual. He says, well, what does that mean? I said, it means I like both men and women, Dad. All the while, my mom has been sitting in silence on the couch. She hasn't had any input on anything. Honestly, she does a lot of the damage control between myself and my dad. We're both stubborn, and we suck at communicating with each other at times, so she helps. Silence settled in for a minute or two, and then my dad looked at me and said, Well, we love you no matter what but I can't accept your choice of lifestyle. There it was. The, I love you, but. The, you're my daughter, but. And it crushed me to hear it, but I knew it was coming. I had always been open with my parents about my dating life, but I had to put my foot down now. Well then, I said, I'm going to keep that part of my life more private for you. I don't want to bring my future partner around here if it's not the environment they'd be 100% accepted in. That's when my mom started to cry. Please don't say that, honey, she said. This is a lot to take in. Please just give us time. Time? Time? For 26 years, I thought something was wrong with me. I wasn't attracted to women. There could be no way. And after getting that reaction from my parents, my heart was broken. The next day, I public, publicly came out on all my social media accounts. And the outpouring of love I received is something I have never experienced in any community I have ever been in, especially none of the churches I attended. And one person impacted me the most. My coworker. She told me not to give up on my parents. Time makes all the difference in the world. 
She told me when she first came out, she was met with so much negativity and hate from her close family, but now I've never seen a more loving relationship between them. For the time being in my situation, I've been walking a bit on eggshells. The dynamic has changed, but I think they're working on it, and I can only hope that they are. Dang. You almost made me cry there. Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, man. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that, that, I mean, that, was, that was this year that that was that was really rough but yeah man I, I can't even tell you how many people like obviously from the church um and then you know just from people I've met through you people I haven't talked to in years that all came out and they were like dude you're we see you we hear you we love you there is nothing wrong with you um, and my coworker that I was talking about right there, and we can edit all this out because I have I didn't approach her, so I didn't give too much information there. But she mm-hmm. told me that her her mom was literally like, um, "You're not my daughter anymore," and all this stuff. And now it could be because she's married to a man, so there's that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. veil there. But, you know, that I, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that, you know, she's married to a man, happily married to yeah. a man. She loved him very, Straight very pathing. much. Exactly. Exactly. Which yeah. is why my parents, I think they're okay with me being bisexual as long as I'm not a lesbian. Um, because there's still a chance that they could get a son-in-law out of it. That um, homophobia, though. That homophobia, though. Uh, but now, like, they're in a very, they love each other so, so much. That woman's mother um, loves her grandson so, so much. So, like, it, it's a very good relationship now, but she's like, it's, it's just, just going to take time. You just have to be patient with them. I'm like, I'll be patient, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to take my privacy. And that's going to be a big thing for me. But, mm-hmm. absolutely. Anywho, yeah. Yeah, you almost made me cry. Shoot, I didn't broke my heart with little third grade you getting pulled to a Starbucks of all places and being told you're wrong. Oh, my God. Right. I know. And like, so I wrote a poem about that experience, too. And I don't it's in a notebook on a shelf somewhere. But one of my friends before COVID, one of my friends would host this like triannual just like open stage concept where you could come and perform music or read poetry or perform dance and I oftentimes a couple times I came and read poems a couple other times I came and led meditations but Mm -hmm. I shared that a poem about that and I'm pretty sure I titled the poem homophobia and afterwards so this isn't like a church space but it was like a church adjacent space like it's a friend that I met through a church um, and a lot of her friends go to private Christian university etc etc right and afterwards this dude pulled me aside and said wow your poem did your mom have any reason to expect that of you and it was spoken in a tone that was like kind of derogatory is not the right word but it was really like wow did you do yes it was really like wow what did you do to make your mom think that about you (laughs) not like holy shit like I can't believe your mom did that so it, it was, was more that was like a moment you do yes that was a moment where I was like shook and I was like I uh, mm, uh, I need to go to the bathroom and just like left that conversation I was like what the actual fuck so 
yeah i think that was like a moment of awakening where i was like wow even in this like supposedly like kind of progressive artistic space like homophobia church bros are just all up in it yeah unfortunately i think it is so deeply ingrained in us and and we're gonna talk about that um probably next but um internalized homophobia or church homophobia both because I know that I personally still struggle with the fact, like, am I really bi or am I just doing this for attention Um, and all that Mm. kind of stuff? And then, like, a woman I find attractive walks by. I'm like, oh, nope, I'm bisexual. She's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that I have moments where I'm like that and I'm like, am I, am I, am I sure that I'm bi? Like I'm in a happy, like loving marriage with a man. And then I think back to this moment. Do you remember earlier this summer when I was supposed to move and then we didn't end up moving anywhere? Yeah. Okay. So part of that moving process was packing scrapbooks that I made in high school and after high school. And one of the scrapbooks that I made was for an English class assignment. It's like a memory book. And one of the entries in the scrapbook is titled, Mom, I swear I'm in love this time, in which you talk about all of your crushes. And as I was reading through this like list of crushes that I had on boys throughout elementary, junior high and high school, my brain was filling in all of the crushes that I had about girls, but couldn't write about because this was an assignment for a private Christian high school. And so whenever I like question myself, I go back and I'm like, nope, yep, definitely bisexual. I didn't just want to be that really hot girl in my English class. I wanted to date her. I want so, to yeah. date her. <laughs> um, exactly, exactly. All right. So, how do you want to transfer into the episode itself? I mean, we can do our high hellos. Oh, I thought that part of that was the episode itself. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Awkward. <laughs> Hi, hello, everyone. No, it's fine. You're editing this and you can edit it however the fuck you want I'll to, Amanda. <laughs> and drag, and this might just be a little awkward right here, but. Um, yeah so hello (laughs) (laughs) hey christina do you want to tell me about instances of homophobia you experienced in the church when you were in elementary school well shit do i oh god um (laughs) i mean i i remember stuff more so as i got older because like you said in your um your story you i i had no idea what the concept of sexuality was when i was a kid um i had i had no idea what the concept of it was and it it goes to show you that this is really it's a it's something that's taught it's something that's learned um just like racism is mm-hmm. is something that's learned because when i was a kid i just loved everybody equally you know, mm-hmm. um, I do remember my mom telling me she had a, a really close friend who um, I think I think it might actually be my godfather. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I know who my godmother is, but I don't I think he's my godfather. Um, super, super sweet guy. I absolutely adore him. He is one of the nicest people I know. And I call him my uncle, although he's not actually blood related to me by any means. And he is gay. And he's he's publicly out. Uh, he's been out. Uh, but I remember her telling me, I think that was like my first introduction as a kid is like, you know, because I remember asking like, oh, why doesn't, you know, uncle have a wife? Mm-hmm. And my mom went, 
well, uncle, like, I don't, I can't remember exactly how she put it. And I don't want to put words into her mouth by any means, but she basically told me that, you know, he likes men. And according to the Bible, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I remember at that point as a kid, I was like, well, I still love him. So that doesn't mean he's like, that doesn't mean he's a bad person. Mm-hmm. So that's like that was like my first introduction with it when I was um when I was that young. What about you? Yeah. So when I was in like elementary school, the two things that I already kind of covered in my story were one thing, but my first impression of it outside of like my mom chastising me was this so there was this girl in my second grade class I shall not name her but she was a jerk and was the reason why I left my first elementary school to go to a different elementary school but whenever I would like come home and be like this girl said like this this and this about me and is like bullying me in this way my mom would always like sit down with me and say like well you have to understand like her family's not in a good place her mom left her dad to go live with another woman and that's just not okay to do and it's because her mom abandoned her that she's mean to you so you need to turn the other cheek and give her grace which is a very christian response and at the same time was also my mom trying to introduce like the idea of like somebody being a lesbian and like loving another woman but also not doing it in a positive way. So no. that was kind of like my first introduction. It's also funny that you mentioned your gay uncle because I also have a gay uncle. And that was a hot mess experience when he came into our lives in junior high. Ooh. <sighs> Do you want me to go into that? Go into that because it's a good fade into junior high and high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I was in junior high, again, private Christian school, we there was this chick in my class. I don't like her. I did not like her then. I don't like her now. She's a jerk. And I will stand by that for like my entire life. But we were talking about um, Noah's Ark and talking about how the rainbow was a promise that God would never like flood the earth ever again. And this smart ass of a chick raises her hand and says like, but Mr. So-and-so, who is our Bible teacher, the gays have like co-opted the rainbow and it's like their thing now. They should give us back our rainbow. And she started this whole like, give me back my rainbow campaign. And like, it was so fucking messed up. Jesus Christ. And then in the same class, like other students, actually it might have even been the teacher. I don't remember if it was students or the teacher. Like they started making jokes about like, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, which are just kind of like, I, hate I don't know, that if you grew up in the church that so you know, those much. Like the sort of, I know. And those are just like the sort of like low brow homophobic jokes that like are offensive and really aren't very original anyways. But like in this situations, it wasn't that our Bible teacher like condemned these sort of behaviors. He just kind of laughed it off and like moved along. So I was obviously incredibly closeted in junior high. And it was in this time that my mom's half brother kind of came back into our lives after having been out of our lives for a very long time. My mom sat me down and said like, hey, your uncle's going to come and visit us. Heads up, he's gay, so on and so forth. So for like my entire seventh grade year, he came and visited us like every once in a while. He's the first person to ever take me to Ikea. So obviously like he holds a special place in my heart because I fucking love He created a monster. (laughs) you don't even know um 
So yeah, first person to ever take me to an Ikea, but sixth grade is chill. Seventh grade is chill. Eighth grade, he and my mom come and pick me up from school one day. And it is after like one of these discussions about like homosexuality and homosexuality is wrong. And the Bible says that these people are going to burn in hell like Sodom and Gomorrah, which by the way, is a total misreading of Sodom and Gomorrah, but we can address that later if we want to. And my uncle, oh, I feel so bad about this. He asked me what I learned in school that day, and I decided to get on some sort of righteous high horse, which is not okay and not good. And my internalized homophobia came out to play. And by play, I mean like mortally offend him. And he literally did not talk to our family after that. And like I have tried looking him up on like ancestry.com and like the white pages so I can like send him a really big apology and be like, hey, I am so sorry I was a dick to you when I was in eighth grade. I was dealing with a lot of internalized homophobia, which doesn't make it okay. But um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Geez, that's really hard. And 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, internalized homophobia is no freaking joke. And I do hope that you can find him and hopefully, you know, apologize. I'm sure he's forgiven you, though. That's the thing. I, is, I hope so. I, I hope that he's come to the terms and realized that you were a child who was being brought up in a household where yeah. she couldn't be herself. You know? And that's, um, mm-hmm. and that's what my therapist and I worked on in last session is forgiving myself for shit that I did to stay safe and make myself feel safe. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I I can tell you that, you know, I have forgiven plenty of people that I feel have wronged me in my past. Um, And the hardest person to forgive is yourself. It's always yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can forgive others. But forgiving yourself is a whole whole other thing because you have to live with yourself. You can Mm -hmm. forgive them because you might never, ever see them again. But you got to live with yourself. Um, Yeah. Who I got deep there. Anyway, <laughs> my uh, my personal experiences in like junior high and high school of what I can remember, since I didn't go to a uh, religious schools, I went to um, I went to charter schools. So um, I know that my kindergarten through eighth grade experience was semi-religious, and I think I mentioned this in a previous episode where mm-hmm. the parents were very much so involved. I never had any sort of sex ed, so I mean, there was definitely something there that. Um, religion might have played a part and i remember having quite a few religious friends like i had more friends that went to church that didn't um so if i ever spent the night at someone's house on saturday night i was still going to church sunday morning uh (laughs) but i i remember that we had this um in junior high specifically we had this kid who was new to the school, which was kind of kind of rare. I mean, you have new kids every single year, but majority of the mm-hmm. kids in that school I had grown up with. So he was new and he he's not gay by any means, but he just had like a flamboyant personality. So instantly the slurs started coming out and I'm not going to use any of them because I hate all of them. Um, but if you can think of a derogatory slur for a homosexual they probably used it and i gotta commend this kid because he just brushed it off i'm sure like 
behind closed doors, it it probably hurt. I I'm not even gonna say probably. I know it hurt, but he just brushed it off and he just rolled with it and he didn't let any of it bother him. And so I, of course, at that age, I I was definitely more like a bystander. I never ever used any of those slurs. I've never used any of those slurs. I refuse to use any of those slurs. Um, because I just, I hate them. I hate them so, so much. Just, ugh. They literally make my, my, like, nails on a chalkboard. Like, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, like, one of the most, like, politically charged people I know today, which is super cool, because <laughs> he is, like, he, he is just, he's just so, so cool. Um, and then in high school, I think that's when the idea of you know being gay isn't wrong started to come into my head because i definitely had that internalized homophobia um and like the idea of bringing people to the church to save them but i also had the growing sensation of okay you know why why would god make the people the way they are if he didn't love them and like why should i try and change them just because of who they are and who they love like who am i to tell anyone who they can and can't love so that Mm -hmm. idea started to form in high school really to a full fruition when i was in college um because i remember having some friends in high school who um were gay um or lesbian or have come out now as transgender and um it's i'm glad that they were able to become themselves and that's that's pretty much all i can say for i i was very much so on the sides sidelines i was very kind of just observant i've always been that way i was never going to be one to tell anybody like hey you need to stop that you need to change who you are but i mean i would just maybe be Mm -hmm. a quiet judge from the sidelines and maybe judge people not maybe I know I did mm-hmm. when I was in high school for sure. And then I started, I got out of that when I hit college, but the internalized homophobia definitely started there. And then with the judging. And then when I hit college, I, I like, I, I think I've shared this story in a, uh, in a different episode, but when it really hit me that homophobia was utter and complete bullshit, was when I was sitting listening to a sermon at my church, the church that I grew up in. And I remember mm-hmm. the lead pastor mentioning something along the lines of being gay is a sin. You know, you're going to go to hell, you know, fire, brimstone, all that fucking garbage. And wow. thinking, this is bullshit. This is utter and complete bullshit. And at that point, to give our listeners a mental image, my fingers went in my ears. And I refused to listen any further, specifically in that church. I refused Mm -hmm. to listen. If I ever went to the church after that, it was to please my parents or to say hi to friends I hadn't seen in a while. That was it. Or throw a party. Yes, or throw a lovely, lovely uh, (laughs) bridal shower. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um, But yeah, so I mean... That's when I can definitely tell you that the homophobia stopped being something that, you know, I justified. 
and mm-hmm. started to be something that I worked on and knew that it was something that I needed to fix because homophobia is horrendous and being an out bisexual woman and you know this too it's so hard to get past because like um I'm not sure if you're going to include this or not so I'll say it again but it's something that constantly tells me like oh you're not bisexual you're just doing it for the attention you know you're too scared to date women and you date men over and over again and I'm like yeah but it's still there and I know that that's internalized Mm -hmm. homophobia just telling me like oh you're not really but Sorry to say I am. I am because there have been some women where I'm just like, if you hit on me, you can have me. (laughs) Ooh, spicy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that also, um, before I came out, one of my acquaintances from college is in a relationship with a woman um, and she is bi and she posted something about for not by visibility day this year, but a year ago. So like 2019 or it might have even been 2018. Just talking about how it's kind of hard because people automatically like assume she's a lesbian and she's like, no, I'm bi. And they're like, oh, but you're dating a woman kind of like in the similar vein to where if somebody sees a bi woman in a straight passing relationship they say oh like you can't possibly be bi like you're dating or you're engaged or you're married to a man which is erasing a part of someone's identity Mm -hmm. and I also want to add something else that my therapist told me and that I have done like zero research on but I think it's going to be the next like scientific wormhole I dive down is the sort of like changing way that we express and like feel our sexuality and our sexual identity through life and my therapist gave me a really good like piece of advice or almost just like truth to hold on to is that like today I am learning to like love myself and know myself as bi in the future I might feel more comfortable with the term queer in the far future who knows like pan might be the word for me but for now like where you are does not mean that you have to stay in that forever if you continue learning more about yourself and getting to know yourself better oh absolutely i i am a firm believer that one's sexuality is constantly in a state of flux and flow as they learn and grow and life happens to them and and things go on with them that they'll people change and that's that's the beauty of it. That's I think that's why it's so perfect that the symbol for the LGBTQ plus community is a rainbow flag. Because mm-hmm. it's just it's waving like, proudly. Waving proudly. And screw that gal that was like, ah, take back the rainbow flag. No, fuck you, okay? Oh my god. The gays haven't yep. gays get to keep She's... it, okay? <sighs> Hell yeah, they do. Hell yeah, they do. And Have I mean fun I... with your <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to dig on her anymore. I was going to like <laughs> dig some dig. I'm not going to. You were you were digging on her hard because I I knew as soon as you called her a chick, I was like, oh, and it doesn't like this person. Yeah, she I'll she won't say anything like derogative, like you know, bitch. But she'll, if Amanda calls him a chick, then oh oh oh, we're yeah. we're gonna have. I say bitch for my friends. I save chick for people I don't like. See, there you go. Yeah, because I've been like, I've called you bitch before, but it's always been in good, good fun, never exactly. in like actually calling you a bitch. Um, yeah. But I do know, uh, I actually know someone who was bisexual and then they recently discovered that they are pansexual, which is awesome. I mean, even I'm like, you know what? I could see myself going that way too. 
but I did just spend money on a buy of flags. Yeah. So I'm going to be bisexual for at least a few years <laughs> because I wanted to get my money in with that. And then if I feel like oh my gosh. it's time to come out, I'll go ahead and change it. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that um, th- it's just a lot of a lot of inter- uh, internalized homophobia. And um, mm-hmm. I might try and approach some people I know and see if they might be willing to share their stories. And if they do, um, we can input them here. But yeah, uh, I, I know that it's the internalized homophobia is unreal. And it's why it takes these people so long to come to terms with who they are. Like I'm, I'm 26, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're 27. This has taken us, you know, a quarter of a century, a quarter of a century to come to terms with this and to really only scratch the surface and accepting ourselves honestly yes and there are i want to just drop a couple resources that i have found to be really helpful um one of them is an app called open bible and it is made by and for members of the lgbtq community who are also believers and they have um like forums and devotionals and things that you can participate in either by yourself or with people. And that was actually one of the first places that I expressed my, at the time I was like, Hey, does the Q stand for queer questioning? Because I think I'm both. And they were like, well, whether it stands for queer questioning, we welcome you and welcome to the community. And I literally like cried when I read that in their form. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm not ready for this. Too many feels, but that's a really good, um, resource for believers who identify as LGBTQ. And I forget the other resource I was going to drop. So, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but well, yeah, I, I think... Uh, go ahead. You're fine. Yeah. I think that internalized homophobia is like such a big deal because like even throughout high school and college, like this, when I was in high school, um, one of my classmates came out and was essentially told to like stay in the closet or get expelled and like at the time I was like oh like that makes sense that's our school rules like if you get pregnant you get kicked out of this school which like looking back on it I'm like holy shit like young Amanda did not understand what was up but at that time in my life I was like oh yeah like follow all the rules no matter what like don't challenge rules and like uh even in college I was going to like a really hip church downtown full of like young professionals and the pastor did a sermon on um, homosexuality and his conclusion was essentially like, it's okay for people to be gay, but they just can't be in gay relationships because that's where the sin is. And at that time I thought that was totally like a progressive view. And that was like 2013. And it really wasn't until like one of my friends challenged me and was like, Whoa, like that's what they said. I don't want to go to that church. And I was like, I don't understand. And then eventually I was like, Oh fuck. I understand now. They're right. And yeah so it was a lot yeah internalized homophobia takes a lot of unlearning especially in like church related spaces where you're taught to just respect and like believe those who are in power without questioning why they have those beliefs and why Mm -hmm. um 
they uphold them when in reality those beliefs are trash and my daily recommendation is going to walk you through why those beliefs are trash and misinterpretations yes they absolutely are they absolutely are because it's just it's ridiculous to think that with all the people in the world there's only one way one one accepted or one right way that you you can be in love like the the only way you can do it is if it's in a straight relationship man and woman mm-hmm. and i love that the uh the pastor said that it's only you know going against the bible when you're in the relationship which it distinctly makes me think he's referring to sex which is also funny because like the whole idea of like gay sex or like let me rephrase this like anal sex being something that like only members of the lgbtq population participate in is wildly ludicrous oh absolutely have y'all never heard of pegging oh yes have heard of it <laughs> Oh my god. But seriously, like there is so much that people think is specifically only for the LGBTQ community and quote unquote that's what makes it wrong. That's what makes it gay. Bitch, please. Oh my god, you're a joke. Like half the ways women get off from men can be done by other women. And half the ways men get off by women can be done by other men yep and vice versa those who do not um are non-binary pals also like anyone who might not fall between the categories of the two um i would say like culturally supported genders unfortunately that's the way society is these days literally they can be performed by anybody Literally, 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 their society technology has made such advancements these days. You would be wildly impressed. Go oh, to yeah. adamandeve.com and just look <laughs> oh, at the sex toys. Just look at the sex toys that are on there. I swear to God, you'll be wildly impressed. And you'll be like, I'm going to buy one of these. That's the plug of today. Just, just go on that website and explore that for yourself. <laughs> That's kind of going into our next episode, but um, that's the plug for today. (laughs) I've just got to say thank you so much for taking it in that direction because I already like sensed it was going to go in that direction. And I'm just like so proud of you for being the one to take it there because I think that I am a little bit too sheepish to take it there. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm like, let's talk dildos. Let's talk vibrators. Let's talk butt plugs. Like, let's go. Oh, my God. I, I'm not going to go I, into it too much because I know that that's going to go into our, our next episode, but I'll, I'll stop talking there. But go yes. on the website, especially I'm, if you're coming from a very, um, uh, you know, you couldn't explore your sexuality when when you were a kid because of how, like, claustrophobic the church made you feel about it. Go on that website. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself. It's the most important thing you can do. Anyway, Amanda, you were going to say I've something. I've just got <laughs> to say, I would love to give a shout out to my one former student who might listen to this podcast and my former mentee who I mentored while I was in high school who might listen to this podcast. Both of you are amazing and I hope you don't think any different of me after that great talk about sex toys. Yes! Anyways. Yes, <laughs> I'll never think different of you. 
Um, I swear to God, I am blushing so hard right now. Okay. I love it. I, oh, then you're going <gasps> to love me in the next episode. Oh, God, are you going to love me in the next episode? Um, oh, my God. I want to get back to the subject of this one. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Because I know that this uh, the next bullet point that we have here is discussing incidents of heterocentricity. I, oof. When is the church not heterocentric? Like, that's literally my only response here is that, like, for so much of my life, like, going to church, it was always, like, women, submit to your husbands. Men, respect your women like Jesus respected the church. Like, it's everything is always, like, described in the terms of, like, the gender binary. And it's always assumed that, like, oh, someday, like, you'll grow up and you'll marry a man if you're a woman. Or someday you'll grow up and marry a woman if you're a man. Or, like, if you were born male or born female. Like, that's just the expectation. Like, there's literally in the church that I grew up in and, like, all of the churches that I attended except for one, maybe two, but really probably just one, their heterocentricity was the norm. And if you suggested anything otherwise, um goodbye yes and don't i have to bring this point up too don't you love the comparison of women to objects <gasps> dude oh my god i've got a purity culture thing to get into in our next episode yes i it's oh, i hate it because if you didn't gum. catch it there yeah if you didn't catch it there oh don't even get me started on that bullshit um oh my god because i know tape. where you're going with that no, but if you didn't catch it, listeners, Amanda said uh, something that is very, very common uh, when, you know, you're doing those um, like couples classes or couples um, Bible studies, stuff like that is men love your wives as Jesus loved the church. Mm. An object. Which makes the church really sexy. The church is hot. Have you seen her in a bikini? Oh, <laughs> No, I wasn't allowed to. We all had to wear <laughs> t-shirts over our bikinis. Uh, t-shirts over the bathing suit. <laughs> <sighs> um, no, but it it that's a that's a big problem there too. And of course, that that just feeds into the next episode. But I think yeah. that it, it's it's always been that way. I mean, I don't ever remember any um, queer couples attending the church that. Um, that I grew up in none mm-hmm. and for good reason too, because I know that they would have not felt accepted like they should be, which is heartbreaking yeah. because that's the whole point of the church is to accept and love everyone, no matter who they are and where they're at and not to love them in spite of their faults, but just to love them. And also, yeah, I think even like going beyond that, like it's not just like to be accepting and loving of your neighbors. Like the church needs to stop looking at being gay as a fault because it's not yes. a fault. It's not exactly. Sorry, that's what I was meaning to to go towards. And there's that sorry internalized homophobia that just comes out and says it's a fault. I got you. I Thank got you. you. No, I got you. Thank you. And um, I mean, I know that. My parents in particular taught a lot of um, marriage counseling classes and and they always use stuff like this. And then I remember specifically in an episode that we uh, previously recorded that you remember seeing those uh, notes on the fridge. 
Remember? Christ, yeah. Yeah, yep. you do. Yeah, you do. So oh, can you take a picture of those and we can link them? I'm actually going over to my mom's tomorrow. So yes. Ooh. Okay. We, we we will link them so you guys can see what we're talking about. And it'll give you the Bible verses so you can look them up yourself. Um, if they're still on that fridge. I'm pretty sure they are. They've been um, there for years, Christina. They're not going anywhere. Remember, though, they got a new fridge. Oh, they did? Well, they've had a new fridge for, like, at least the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. It's still on that fridge. Oh, she's like, don't worry. Don't worry. It's still there. Don't it's worry. Still there. I'd see it every time I throw out trash. Yep, that, <laughs> that's where the trash is. Yep. 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 Sorry, I just snipped into the mic, everyone. But, yep. <laughs> My allergies are a bitch. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah, no, I I never remember the church being anything but heterocentric. It's it's always been, you know, man shall not lie with man as he does woman. Yeah, which is so digging into a mistranslated verse, but yes, yeah, that translation didn't pop up until the 1950s. The older versions, it's man shall not lie with like a young boy as he young lies with a woman. Actually, it's verses about pedophilia, not homosexuality. So my major recommendation for the church is to go back to the fucking original language the Bible was written in and retranslate it yourselves. And I'm still salty that our local... Oh, girl, I am so salty. So like, I was I wanted to go to seminary. I wanted to go to like our local seminary, which you're probably somewhat aware of. And I wanted mm-hmm. to get my MDiv and I wanted to get like an MDiv in spiritual formation. The difference between an MDiv and the other program is that an MDiv, you have to do more work and actually like do your own like translation and exegesis. So I applied for this program and the counselor was like, "Mm, no, how about you do this like master's of art in theology instead? And I'm like, bitch, I want my MDiv. I want to learn Greek and or Aramaic. And I want to be able to translate some of the Old Testament and also read it through a feminist perspective. So alas, I'm not in seminary. I'm still really salty about our local seminary. And it's a bunch of sexist asshats but oh absolutely absolutely um i think my mom was involved with the local seminary if it's the one i'm thinking of i think she might have she might i might be thinking of something completely different as well but um i uh i think my recommendation for the church is to look at the bible as guiding tools and realize that it is over what 2000 years old mm-hmm. and things have changed a little bit mm-hmm. um think things have changed a little bit and so i think that they need to start realizing that um and mm-hmm. not it's so funny because i remember um this uh this very very far right individual who uh i used to uh, uh, like kind of helped teach in Sunday school I guess when he was younger mm-hmm. um, I shared a photo of because um, like every uh, everyone was super upset when the Black Lives Matter when they um, when there were some riots happening and not even the majority of those riots were not even caused by individuals of the Black Lives Matter movement however 
um, people were arguing that, you know, this is a problem and I can't believe this is happening. And meanwhile, I remember, you know, people saying like writing is not a form of protest. And uh, there is a lovely story in the Bible about Jesus going to a temple and seeing it had basically become a marketplace. And what did he do? Flip tables, motherfucker. Flip tables. He uh, he he rioted a little bit. He rioted a little bit. And I shared an image that showed that, you know, like conservatives saying, you know, rioting is not a form of um, protest. And then like an image of Jesus flipping the tables at the temple. And this kid commented on it. He's like, that's taken extremely out of context. I'm like, is it oh, though? please. <laughs> is it though? And and so it's so funny because that's something that I see quite a few conservative individuals too of the far right, of like the churches that were trying to help, that, that were making these recommendations for on this podcast, um, will take Bible verses out of context or mistranslate them. Like that mm-hmm. one that the translation didn't come around until the 50s to push this um, anti-LGBTQ uh, homophobic mentality. And so mm-hmm. it's it's so interesting. It's so interesting. But if you look at some of these verses, you know, you see the church take them wildly out of context. And if you actually read them, you're like, oh. Also, again, yes. uh, bringing this to everyone's attention, because we brought this to everyone's attention in a different episode. If the Bible was taken literally, uh, men or people could not sit where women on their periods have sat. Also, they couldn't touch anything we've touched. So, yeah, just telling everybody it's, that and if, I, you, if you took it literally. Yes. And I think, like, this all loops back to the idea that, like, at the end of the day... The Bible is a historic document, like especially looking at the Old Testament, the rules that were put in place during that time were put in place to protect people from things they didn't understand. Like, you know, diseases carried by blood or diseases carried by specific animals, or I actually really have no idea about like why you couldn't mix multiple fabrics together, but I'm sure that there's like a perfectly logical reason there for the time being back then. But nowadays, we live in a world where we have science. We live in a world where we have agriculture and like agricultural safety boards like the FDA. Like a lot of the rules from the Old Testament were put there to protect people. And now we have other methods of protection, so we don't need to follow those rules in my humble opinion. <sighs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I think that the Bible needs kind of it, just like I said before, instead of looking at it as like fact, 100% fact, has mm-hmm. to be followed to the letter, more so look at it as guidelines and that just go back to the root of all of it all, which is which is love, you know, it's not supposed to be divisive. Love love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments within which all others fit. I think Uh, just came to mind. I don't even remember what verse that is, but I swear I've memorized that multiple times in my life. (laughs) Oh Lordy, I got nothing here. Um, I know that I really haven't had any experiences with open and affirming churches. Um, I I know that um, for example, uh, there's a church near me and I know it exists, uh, mm-hmm. but it's right. I think it's actually right next to a, um, a lesbian bar. 
Uh, yeah, it Isn't is. There, I know. Yeah, exactly there's a lesbian bar right there. That's why I thought. Yeah, yeah. And it's got all these pride flags outside the church, which mm-hmm. I am in love with. I'm absolutely in love with because that to me, because when you think of when I, when I know for a fact as an individual who is bisexual and I hear the words like, would you like to come to church with me? I'm like, ah. <laughs> The first thing I think is like, oh, God, if it comes out that I'm bi, people are going to be like trying to fix me. And when I see those those pride flags outside that church, I think and immediately like that's calmed down. And I'm like, wow, I could be welcomed. I also mm-hmm. remember there's a church. Um, I can't remember exactly where it's at, Amanda, but I remember after the um, Orlando nightclub shooting, the Pulse shooting mm-hmm. at the uh, at the nightclub that this church had a sign out in front of it had like little uh had rainbows all over it and then the main message was like you are seen you are heard you are loved always feel free to to come and be safe here Mm -hmm. yeah and it was at a church where i from the outside i wouldn't have necessarily been like oh yes that church would be very welcoming but they put that out i'm like oh oh okay yes and that's that, those are like the positive experiences I've had with church. Like I haven't ex- personally experienced it like yeah. inside the buildings themselves, but just seeing that gives me so much hope that they, mm-hmm. that there is, there is a future for the LGBTQ community in a church. And one of my recommendations for this week also ties into that. Um, but I want to hear your experiences because I yeah. know that you have some fantastic ones. Yeah, so my experience is one of the churches that I attended for a while during grad school was a sweet United Methodist church that was, everybody there was really loving and really welcoming, and they were incredibly open and affirming. They're also the only church I've ever attended that also used um, traditionally feminine pronouns for God. So every week we would alternate saying the Lord's Prayer with masculine pronouns, and then the next week we would say it with feminine pronouns pronouns. So like we would refer to God as our mother, which I thought was fabulous for so many reasons. Um, So yeah, that United Methodist Church was the only open and affirming church that I've been to. However, that being said, the church that I'm at now, I know that the pastors as like humans without their title pastor are open and affirming, but it is a traditional Anglican church and part of their like swearing in process is that they um, essentially agree that they won't perform gay marriages, which like is a bone to pick. But at the end of the day, I have attended churches where like, you know, homosexuality is utterly condemned. I've attended churches where it is absolutely encouraged and loved upon and I personally am comfortable with attending my church because I know that the people there and the people who are running it are open and affirming, even if like the name tagged onto the church is not one that's associated with being open and affirming. But that being said, there's a really cool resource called churchclarity.org and they allow people to basically look up report cards of churches and grade churches based on their open and or affirming status as well as their acceptance of women in leadership. So yes, I had I had no idea about that. It kind of reminds me of that website ratemyprofessor.org. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I mean, it's not quite like that. Like people don't go and give churches ratings, but like they contact right. no, churches no, no, no. and say like, hey, can you go on the record and tell us what the fuck you believe? And a lot of churches um, refuse to do it or just don't not do it because they don't want to, you know, be held accountable for being low key. Not cool. I'm um, not surprised. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised yeah. about that at all. And then, like, wow, do they really do it? And then you're like, no. Uh, well. No, did you did you ever participate in Young Life? Was that a thing at your school? School? No, church. Okay. Um, I know that Young Life was a big ministry, but I think that mm-hmm. my church was so tiny that they were like, "What's the point?" Yeah. So Which, like they they I think they really focused more so on bigger churches or even like mega churches so they could get their numbers up. That's just my personal opinion. Well, Young Life is odd in that it's not associated with any churches. It's like only run through schools and like school districts. But Young Life, oh, then um, no. yeah, I was like, it's not really a church thing. So my school like had a Young Life in partnership with one of the public high schools in our area. And like when I was in high school and college, I kind of always assumed that Young Life was a really like, I don't know, progressive organization and then it came out like not too long ago that they're not and they have like fired some of their employees for coming out um so there's also i know the young life is something that like a lot of people participate in so there's a movement called do better young life and from that has also sprung like two more movements um one is do better crew which is like the new name for campus crusade for christ and do better ywam um so i don't know if any of our listeners have experiences with young life crew or ywam but those are some cool resources that are also available for people to share their stories um and also kind of like shine a light on the homophobia within those parachurch groups yay yeah that's actually really good to hear because i always thought of young life as being definitely like more closed-minded and yeah and like i I don't know. I knew a lot of people who were super into Young Life, but I was just never super into Young Life. It seemed really weird to me. And that, yeah, I, I was never how into it. Explain how it seemed weird. Like, I just didn't. I was like, I get this at youth group every weekend, but it's better at youth group. Like, why should I spend a Thursday night in a garage sitting on a boy's knee playing musical chairs and trying to take a cookie out of his mouth? Fucking weird. <laughs> that sounds so weird it sounds like a, yeah. like a really poor uh high school party it was, it was such a cringe game but anyways <laughs> <laughs> i digress um my recommendation for this week is a book so like when i was kind of preparing to come out i went on a binge of reading a bunch of like theology books looking at like faith and sexuality and this book is really the book that brought like my little Christian heart, the most solace. And this book is called God Believes in Love, Straight Talk About Gay Marriage by Gene Robinson. Um, and he was the first openly gay bishop elected to the Episcopal something or other. I don't remember. I want to say like the Episcopal Episcopalia, which just doesn't sound right, but I don't remember what it's called because I'm not Episcopalian. But um, yeah, if you um are a Christ follower and love Jesus and kind of hate the church right now and are like holy shit like i need something like theologically sound um go check out god believes in love yes 
Yes, I like that too. And and it kind of actually, I saw your recommendation. I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to recommend then. Mm -hmm. um, so my recommendations are a couple episodes of Queer Eye uh, on Netflix. It is a fantastic show. I love it very, very much. If you haven't seen it, please watch it because these guys are some of the nicest people you could ever meet. And they they genuinely love the people that they're you know, giving the makeovers to. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to recommend season three. They're both the first episodes of these two seasons. So season three, episode one, which is called God Bless Gay, because the town they actually go to help um, this individual in is called Gay. Aww. But um, the woman that they're helping is a very sweet lady. And her son is gay. And... Um, she just gives him this very, very heartwarming message at the end of the episode that makes like a couple of the members of the Queer Eye team cry and made me sob uncontrollably. Um, and it was just a very, very, very loving episode. So please go watch that. And then Queer Eye season five, episode one is called Preaching Out Loud. And there it's about they go to help this um, pastor or priest. I'm not sure which title he, he goes by. I can't remember mm -hmm. which. Do you remember? Do you know this episode? I cried when I watched this. Ep I watched this episode right? twice. <laughs> this episode was very, very affirming. Very, very affirming because um, obviously the, the person that they're trying to help is a pastor or a priest. I can't remember his title. And he's gay. And at one point in the episode, they're talking about that internalized homophobia. Like he has severe imposter syndrome because he feels like he can't be the priest he should be because the gay part of him is holding him back. Where, well, they call in um, a lesbian pastor and I believe another gay priest yes. to talk to him and tell him like you are doing the lord's work you can't hinder yourself in this way by constantly telling yourself you are not worthy of teaching of of bringing these people closer to you know their heavenly father and so it was just so affirming to hear that if i can't hear it from my own family at least i could hear it on this episode mm -hmm. of this show so yes. it's it's super super affirming i was bawling like a baby um, and this episode, actually, I would say this episode and the Black Lives Matter movement are what pushed me over the edge to come out to my folks. I begged them to watch this episode and they said they did and they haven't talked to me about it since. Oh. I don't know if they ever will. So did Which they okay. see it or not? <laughs> I, I know they did because my mom told me that they did. Oh, um, my mom told me that, you know, my dad... And her sat down and watched the episode, and no one has brought it up with me since. And so I'm taking that as a semi-win that they watched okay. it. It's in their heads, and that's all I'm going to ask for now. So if you, you definitely need to watch those, though, and have some tissues by you because you're going to fucking cry. Lots of tissues. And lots of I tissues. think, like, at the end of the day, like, the simple takeaway from that is – just like how dearly representation matters like having and i know we've like already touched on this like having women in church leadership matters having people of color in leadership matters having lgbtq people in church leadership matters like having that sort of representation is really really integral to having a healthy, accepting, and welcoming church. And also a church that is 
a church that looks like the body of Christ. Representation matters. Representation Representation matters matters so, so much. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm remembering my my, uh, church and uh, it was usually always men in leadership unless it was like the craft department or the children's (laughs) ministry. So cliche. Mm. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add? Man, this episode was wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think we kept some levity here. I know that I think the next one is probably going to be the one that's uh, hitting a little bit harder for warning everyone. Our next episode is going to be on uh, purity culture, and that does include rape culture. And we are going to talk about some pretty triggering stuff. So just forewarning you um, next week. Next week, yeah, next week's going to be a rough one. But um, we just want to thank everybody for listening. I think we're going to end this a little differently just because uh, it's a bit of a, a a deeper subject. So we won't have such a bubbly exit this time, but we just seriously want to thank everybody so much for listening. We loved everyone's feedback. Oh, Amanda, do you want to tell our listeners what we got this week on Apple on our reviews? Yeah, so this is uh, just to date mark this. Today is 1021 2020, and we got our first one star review this week. Yay! Yay! So um, I have my suspicions of who it's from. There's somebody who followed us on Instagram who seems to really love Trump. So thank you for your one star review. I'm assuming this comes from the place in your heart where you hate liberals and leftists um but really actually at all honored thank you so much i'm crying my little liberal (laughs) tears of joy in all liberal snowflake tears we are so grateful um that we don't just have all five star reviews because if there aren't people who disagree with us we're not doing our job right and that's the journalist Mm -hmm. in me Mm amen amen so uh please make sure to rate review uh subscribe to us um specifically on apple Podcasts, but also uh subscribe to us on spotify we do now have an instagram at dear god wth which is the same as our twitter handle at dear god wth come interact with us we're nice we reply to most messages as long as we see them Amanda's better about it since I have not been home most of this month. I was going to say, I've been doing most of the Insta. Christina's been doing most of the Twitter. It works out well. It does because she has the beautiful uh, photo editing software too. So I got shout out to Canva. Please sponsor us so that we don't have to pay for (laughs) Canva Pro. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks again, everyone. We hope you have a good rest of your weekend and come join us next week if you are comfortable doing so. Bye. Bye.